Uh, today, we're wrapping up our series on picture-perfect family. Now, I tell you, you know, so many of us, we put our best stuff out there on social media, and everyone kind of looks and says, man, that family is so perfect. And behind closed doors, it's not so perfect. I was, I was thinking about uh, some of the pictures, and I found some pictures and, uh, on the World Wide Web, all right, and honey pictures of some imperfect family pictures. And uh, maybe you can relate to some of these pictures. Here's the first one is that child who just will not cooperate. You know, how many of you can relate? You try to do a family picture. I know I can. Um, there's another one, picture number two, very similar. It's that little temple tantrum. And his dad's a little frustrated. He's like, man, I can't get you to cooperate. We got mom over here with the baby, you know. And there's a lot of pressure on his, on his husband, on this on guy, okay. And uh, so it's just not coming together. You know, and then you got the third picture, that vacation. You know, where mom and dad say, hey, little Johnny and Becky, you know, for the 500th time, let's pose a picture in front of the sign or this little memorial. And, and they just had it. Uh, this is the 500th time I'm done with it. And, uh, and then this fourth one, a little awkward, um, you know, but they got it up there and they haven't practiced the find out of Photoshop, you know, and, and, and kind of wiping that, you know. So there's that person that no longer exists in the family. And uh, so, um, yeah, it, it's still hanging on the wall and uh, it's a little awkward. But uh, so uh, maybe you can relate. And so that's what we've been talking about this past few weeks because we know at the end of the day, there are no perfect family, none. And what I want to accomplish today is really talk about how to manage conflicts because the conflicts I see all the times in family. And by the way, this message really translates in all arenas of life. It translates in the workplace. A lot of it will translate with your friendships. And, uh, and so as we're talking about conflict today, we're going to really kind of talk about how that looks like in a family, and a husband and wife, and, and family, you know, and what that looks like. But to think about how, you know, as the Spirit leads you, it might lead you to think about, hey, what, this is something I need to practice in this arena, or in that area of, of, of my life. And, and so I hope that this will be a very practical message today, because we all have conflict behind the closed doors of a picture-perfect family. I promise you, we all have conflicts. We face them. Now, I would say this. I would say that conflicts are not necessarily a bad thing. Conflicts are not bad. In fact, conflicts can help you, especially in that relationship, get stronger, to get to know each other. You know, there's the different passions that, you know, that the husband and the wife have, you know, and their passion kind of, you know, they kind of headbutt a little bit, you know. They've got different personalities. You know, there's different uh, talents and abilities, you know, backgrounds, traditions. You know, the way you do Christmas growing up, it's going to be different than the, the, than the husband or the wife way of doing, you know, Christmas. And so you got different traditions and you're trying to come together and say, well, we've, I've always done it this way. So I've never done it that way. We always did ham on Thanksgiving. And you're like, no, it's turkey on Thanksgiving. How many of you are the turkey for Thanksgiving? All right? And how many of you do ham on Thanksgiving? You see, conflict. All right? It's, it's, it's just, we can't get past that sometimes. 
you know. Anyway, you know, it's the toilet paper. You know, I like it come this way. And the other person's like, no, I like it this way. And we have to get through those conflicts. And listen, conflict is not necessarily a bad thing. We can grow from it. But what's bad for us is when conflicts are mismanaged. When conflicts are out of control and we don't deal with the conflict. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3 and verse 25, if a house is divided against itself, the house cannot stand. Another translation said it like this, a home filled with strife and division destroys itself. Conflict is going to happen because we are broken people in a broken world marked by sin. Bible says in James chapter four, verse one and two, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you try to seem and kill for it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight. You wage war to take it away from them. There's a conflict, right? It's inevitable. The Bible said the cause of conflict is competing desires, a sinful nature. I want what I want, and you want what you want, and we have competing needs and interests. On the day you got married, you had many expectations on that wedding day, most of them will never be fulfilled. They're unrealistic. Unfortunately, um, somebody said that marriage goes through three stages. The happy honeymoon, the party's over, and number three, let's make a deal. <laughs> That's unfortunate. You see, conflicts are going to happen due to a sinful, selfish nature. And this, and this is how we respond. This is how we react to conflict. One of five different ways. The first way, some of you respond to conflict when you say, it's my way. It's my way or the highway. I win. I assert my will until you give in. I'm totally right. You're totally wrong. It's my way. Now, some of you, this is the way you deal with conflict. This is how you fight. You just keep fighting until you win. It's my way. For others, maybe you, you deal with conflict when you say, no way. No way. This says that I withdraw. I back away from the conflict. I ignore the problem. I avoid it at all costs. Nothing ever gets resolved because you keep walking away from the conflict. Others, you have the way, the way you respond to conflict is when you say, it's your way. It's your way. And I just give in. I just roll over. You know, I'll pretend to be the doormat and just let you walk all over me. You know, it's always your way. And for some of you, you think, you know, God, this is a peaceful way to live. But it's also a very frustrating way to live. Others, maybe you meet halfway. 
This is where you compromise. I give in a little, you give in a little. You win some, you lose some. And by the way, this is better than the first three where you say my way or no way or your way. It's better than the first three, but the best way, the best way to deal with conflict is when you say our way, our way. We work it out together. I not only care about solving the problem and the conflict, but I care about the relationship, and I care about you. That's when we say our way, and we want to do it our way. This is what God wants us to do. We're going to talk about how to deal with conflict and how to win our way. That's the best way. And so, taking notes, I'm going to give us a lot of practicality today. Number one, if you want to solve conflict our way, number one, become a Christian. Become a Christian, and if you are a Christian, but you're not living like a Christian, start living for Jesus. Start living a surrendered life. Become a Christian or surrender and become a Christ follower like you should be. And that's the starting point. You commit your life uh, to Christ. You can't have peace with, peace with other people until you have peace with God. The Bible says that if I'm not a Christian, if I've not committed my life to Christ, then I'm at war with God. There could be a conflict. I'm in conflict with him. I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing what I want to do. And here's the deal. When I'm having a conflict with God vertically, it spills out horizontally. My vertical relationship with God matters to the way I deal with my horizontal relationship. And many marriage problems will be solved if everybody in the family would simply gather around the throne of Jesus and give themselves to Jesus Christ. And really, this is what we talk about in week number one. Week number one is all about keeping Jesus first in the family, making him number one to fear God, to know him, and to obey him, and to live that out in your family. And we talk about that. so important. There will be harmony and unity. It's the foundation. When you become a Christian, and when you start living for Jesus, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. I mean, my friend, you will be amazed by the power that comes into your life, the power of reconciliation when you're living for Jesus. When you have him on your side, when he becomes the foundation of your relationship, of your marriage and your family. Number two, you talk to God about the conflict. If you want to resolve it our way, talk to God, you pray. Pray to God. James chapter four, verse two. 
We've already read parts of this verse, but let's read the second part as well. It says, you want what you don't have. So you seem and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. God saying, I want you to come to me. Talk to me about it. The solution to conflict resolution is coming to me first. And how often do we come to Jesus last? We come to God last. We try to solve the problems on our own. We try to take care of it on our own. And oftentimes we make a bigger mess than it is. And then we come to God at the end of it and say, God, all I have left for do, I've done everything else, but all I've got left is to pray. And God's like, whoa, got it backwards. Should have come to me first because you don't have what you want until you pray and talk to God. You want to do it our way? Get God in the conversation. Get God in the issue. He wants to resolve. He wants to bring peace in your home. Number three, got to analyze the problem. Analyze the problem. You got to ask yourself, how much of this conflict is my fault? How much of it is my fault? Before you start blaming and attacking the other person, you need to do a self-check. Know what Jesus says in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 7, in verse number 3. He said, why worry about a speck in your friend's eyes when you have a log in your own? He said, how can you think of saying to your friend, hey, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eyes? He said, hypocrite. First, you get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. You see, when you're in a conflict, before you try to get the sawdust out of your husband's eyes or out of your, out of your wife's eyes, you first need to remove the telephone pole out of your own eyes. Ask yourself, am I the problem? Ask yourself, am I being demanding? Am I being unrealistic? Am I being oversensitive? Am I being overdramatic? Am I being patient? Am I impatient? Am I, am I the problem? And there's no such thing as a one-person problem in the family. Family problem are not just your problems. Family problems are our problems. It's our problem. First John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Got to be honest. Got to be honest with the situation. Analyze the problem, but start looking at your own problem first. And so where am I in this? Where am I in this issue? Number, number four, as you try to resolve the conflict our way, 
you want to schedule a peace conference. You may not call it a conference, but a peace meeting or a peace conversation or a peace discussion. But you need to schedule it. You need to sit down. You need to have a face-to-face meeting with your husband, with your wife, with your kids, or with whoever. But you got to got to be intentional, and you got to schedule it. You got to pick the right time. Got to pick the right place. Got to pray before this meeting happens. And you sit down and face the issues. You got to talk about the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room, it's the conflict. You've got to deal with it. You see, here's the deal. The elephant in the room. You know, at first, when the elephant finds its way in the room, as a little pet baby elephant, and it's cute. They say, ah, you know, it's not a big deal. This is how we deal. This is what happens with conflict. It's small, it's not a big deal. You know what? I can get I can get over it. I can get over it. It's not a big deal. But here's the problem with the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room does not leave on his own. You know, as long as he keeps feeding it and make it comfortable, it can sit there. And that baby little elephant, what happens over time? It gets bigger. And not only does it get bigger, it gets stinkier too. <laughs> I mean, it, it takes over the room. And now you've got a big mess. It's always easier to deal, the ele- deal with the elephant in the room when it's a baby. It's a lot harder to deal with it when you allow it to grow to full-size elephant. And you've got, and in order to get rid of it, you have to face it. You have to talk about the elephant that we've got. And that elephant will stay there until you kick it out. It's comfortable right where it's at. It doesn't want to leave. Husband and wife, you have to deal with it. Have to deal with it. And so, a little sub point, deal with the elephant in the room when it's a baby. You know, don't let it get too big. But at some point, you're going to have to deal with it. You'll have to deal with it. And the only way to resolve the conflict, to face the elephant in the room, is you've got to talk about it. You know, Jesus was talking about going to church and the priority of getting things right with your horizontal relationship with other people. We're talking about all this. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, it said, If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, it says, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Jesus is addressing and emphasizing the idea that you cannot and you should not ignore conflict. It will get in the way of your worship. And if you're at church and you're getting, you're getting ready to give the offering, you know, or you're, you're ready to offer, a worship, you know, offer God the worship of your praise and your devotion to him. And the Bible says that in the middle of that, you remember there's a conflict. Jesus is addressing the idea that you should deal with that conflict. A-S-A-P. I talk about this in the first service and someone in, the, you know, in, the, in between the first and second services said to me, Scott, you know what? I got to stop tithing for a while until I take care of my conflicts, you know, with my wife who was joking, by the way. And I said, yeah, that's not funny, okay? All right, so <laughs> deal with the conflicts. 
right, but it's important. Deal with the conflicts. First Peter chapter 3 is another take on this idea. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. You know, the Bible says that it is possible, men. It is possible to understand your wife. As hard as it sounds, it is possible. It says, hey, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Yes, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Then it said, treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. If you're not in harmony with your wife, guess what? It's hindering your prayers. When you're in conflict, you're not winning. You're not winning with God. You're not winning where you should be. Get to deal with the conflicts. The Bible said disharmony in the home hinders our prayers. So it's imperative to have this conversation, to schedule the conference, the peace conference, and have a meeting, and have a discussion, to stop ignoring the elephant in the room. Okay, that's what we default to sometimes. You've got to deal with it. Here's number five. In the peace conference that you're having, you've got to establish some ground rules. Right, you've got to fight fair. Right, no below the belt. You know, that's off limit. No, no, no deadly weapons. You know, you've got to fight fair. All right? And so when you have the peace conference, when you're having the heated discussion that resolves the conflict, here's some ground rules. The fighting fair in marriage. You can kind of see a list. Go through it real quick. Letter A. Don't compare. Don't say, you know, why can't you be like, you fill in the blank. Or, you know, honey, you're just like your mama. You're not winning when you make a statement like that, my friend. Don't compare. It's unfair to compare. So God makes every person unique. So don't compare. Number two, letter B. Don't say you. Don't use the phrase like you always or, or you never or you ought to. Only God had the right to judge. So don't start statement with you. Instead, start with the statement with the word I. You know, I need this from you. I feel this. By the way, if somebody says in your conference, if somebody says I feel, you need to accept it as legitimate. Whether you understand it or not. Don't, don't ever say, oh, you shouldn't feel that way, honey. You shouldn't feel that way. If they feel it, just accept it. Doesn't mean you agree with it or it's legitimate, but just accept that that is the way that they feel. So when you say, I need, I feel, it seems to me 
when you say those statements, it's much less threatening, much less condemning than when you say you. You. All right, let us see. Don't make demands. Don't make demands. Don't try to end an argument by force. Don't say, you know, I demand you do what I say. I command you to do this. Don't, don't parent your spouse. You're not their parent. Don't make demands. Don't make threats, letter D. Don't make threats. Don't say a statement like, you know, just try that and see what happens, buddy. Just try it. Let's, I dare you. I dare you. You know, when I was growing up, someone dared me to do something, guess what I did? I stepped over the line and did it. If there was a dare to be made, I took it. We all did it because of our rebellious nature. Uh, so don't, don't make threats. Don't challenge. You know the three most common threats in the marriage are sex, money, divorce. And we need to rule those out as deadly weapons in your marriage. We were not threatened with sex, money, or divorce. It's the mark of immaturity. The mark of immaturity. Don't go there. Grow up. Don't threaten. Letter E, don't condescend. Don't condescend. In other words, don't belittle your spouse. Don't belittle it. Don't say, you know, you shouldn't feel that way. In fact, don't, don't play psychology. Sometimes we play psychology with our, with our spouse. You know, hey, hey, honey, I know why you said that. It's because of... Blah, 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 blah. And, and most of us, we have a difficult enough time figuring out our own motives, much less trying to judge the motive of someone else. So don't try to play psychologist with your spouse in a peace conference. Don't prejudge motive. Letter F, don't interrupt. Listen. Listen. Oftentimes, while we're listening, know what we do? We're not really listening. We're thinking about the comeback. We're thinking, thinking, thinking about the comeback and so that when they're done, and at the first break you get, you're ready for your comeback. No, listen. got to listen. Don't interrupt. And when you listen, don't listen with your ears. Listen with your body. Listen with your eyes. Be engaged and listen. By the way, when you start to do all these things, you start to open up. You start to actually see a peace conference and resolving that conflict. When you start listening, don't interrupt. Letter G, don't change the subject. Don't change the subject. Stick with the issue. Stay with it. Don't switch the argument to something else. All right, men, ladies, don't pull out your laundry list and say, by the way, while we're on conflict, little A, let's talk about all these other elephants in the room. All right, just deal with the main issue at hand. And then the last one of the ground rules in a peace conference is when you're wrong, admit it. When you're right, shh. Don't rub it in. Don't say, I told you so. And then you're back to square one, okay? <laughs> All right. Ground rules. 
All right, so moving on. As we want to resolve conflict our way, number six on your handout note, you got to switch your focus. Switch your focus. You got to move the attention away from self to others. From selfishness to unselfishness. If all of us would live out Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, we have very few conflicts in the home. If we would practice Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, here it is. The Bible said, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Well, what was Christ's attitude? Christ's attitude was he was never about himself. He was, not, he was never trying to be number one. He was always looking out for the good of others. The word look in the verb, the word look, it's an interesting word. It's the word in the Greek, it's the word scopus. Scopus. We, we, see the, we see this word when we say microscope or telescope. It means to pay attention to. Pay attention to. Don't look out for your own interest. But take an interest in others too. Pay attention to the needs of others. In other words, examine it. Every day, every, every minute, every hour, look at your spouse and say, you know, what can I do to help her? What can I do to help him? Or put her needs or his needs above your need, and you're looking for it. You're looking for it. It's not an accidental idea. It's a I'm purpose idea. Ask yourself, now what are his needs, or what are her needs right now, and what can I do to meet it? Look at the needs of others. So you got to switch the focus. That's wish. And if you want a magical sentence that clears up so many conflicts, and for some of you guys, ladies, this might be a game changer right here. Here's the statement. You say, I'm sorry. I was only thinking of myself. And when you say that, and after your wife or your husband Wake up from passing out when you make that statement, you know. I promise you, you begin to make huge gains in a peaceful resolution to that conflict. Number seven, ask for advice. Sometimes, or let me just say many times, Many times, one meeting, one peace conference might not solve the issue. You might need to schedule a series of peace talks. Sometimes, the peace talk goes not in the direction it needs to go, and so you need some professional help. And you should. You know, we get professional help for a lot of stuff. 
and we have no shame. We're not ashamed of it. And if you're sick, you're not, you're not ashamed to seek the professional help of a doctor. Or, or if you have a legal problem, problem, a legal issue, you're not ashamed to reach out to a lawyer for legal help. Or if you have financial problem, you, you seek the help of a financial pro- professional or a financial CPA to get help. If you have a relationship problem, a problem in your family, get some Christian counsel, get some help. There is no shame in seeking help. And some of us are like, well, Scott, you know, I don't want to pay the money. And, you know, it, it cost me, you know, it could have cost me a, you know, just amount of money. And, and, and here's my deal. Some of us, we, we allow that elephant to stay in the room. We won't deal with it. We won't get the professional help because we want to save some money. And at the end of the day, your family falls apart, you end up in divorce and you pay a lot more. You just need to put the fast forward button in there and just see the bigger picture. Now, let me just say this. We've got, we, we, we want to help you as a church. Now, I don't have a counseling degree, but I listen. I'll do what I can. And we try to, we try to hey, let's, let's do what we can. We got some of us on staff. We have, we have some people in our church that were marriage mentors that actually help couples in their marriages. We have some resources here at the church. So before you go out to Christian counseling, seek us first. Let us help you. And we'll, we'll send you in the right direction and help you where we can. But ask for advice. You said, well, you said, well Scott, my, my spouse don't want to go to counseling. You know, what if my spouse don't want to go? Then you go. Then you go for yourself. Work through the issue, help you to grow, get, work on you, get some help. You can't make the spouse go, but you can go. You can go. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 12, mockers hate to be corrected so they stay away from the wise. They stay away from the wise people. So seek the wise. Verse number 32, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. If you reject sound advice and wisdom from others, you're only harming yourself. But if you listen to correction, you will grow in understanding. So you got to ask yourself, what is the price of your happiness? What is it worth? What is it worth to have a harmonious, harmonious home that you look forward to coming home to and resolving the conflict? And number eight, we talked about this last week, but let me emphasize it again. Just don't give up. Don't give up. Conflict resolution is never easy. But don't walk out in the middle of the fight. Stick with it. Stay with it. Don't give up. There are three stages to a conflict. The first stage is recognition. You recognize you've got a problem. You recognize that the elephant's in the room. You begin knowing up at some point, you know what, we've got a problem. Recognition. Day two is reaction. Oh, it's worse than I thought. And this, is a pain, this is a painful stage. When all the emotion comes out, the, you know, the temperature in the room, you know, gets raised and gets pretty heated. Tears coming out. 
Voices are raised, hurtful things come out, bitterness, resentment, anger, frustration, fears, irritation. That's day two, the reaction stage. Day three is resolution. All right, we're going to fix it. We're going to do something about this. We're going to resolve this. And the problem I see over and over and over is many families, many families never get past day two. They see the problem, they react to the problem, and then they quit. My friend, you can get to day three with the help of God, with the power of God in you, and the power of God in your relationship. You can see resolution. Is it easy? No. Is it hard? Absolutely. But it's more rewarding. It is more rewarding to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. It is rewarding. Bible said we started last week, Galatians 6, 9. Don't get tired of doing what is good. But at the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. God wants to restore your marriage, restore your family, your relationship. Why don't you check out this video and we'll pray. How it must have 
been so lonely by my side We were building kingdoms and chasing dreams and left love behind I'm praying God will help our broken hearts align And we won't give up the fight It's gonna take much more And promises this time Only God can change our minds Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams And I'll bring mine Can healing still be spoken? Save us. The only way to last forever is broken together. Just be broken together If you can bring your shattered dreams And I'll bring mine Can healing still be spoken And save us The only way will last forever Is broken together See, God is in the business of taking your broken, picture-perfect family, redeeming it, restoring it, because we live and serve a perfect God. Maybe today, maybe this week, there's some areas in your life that deal with the conflict. Don't give up. See it through. And God will reward you a blessing of harvest if you keep doing the right thing. God, we ask you to help us this week. This message might invoke so many different thoughts and emotions in different ways. And it might translate God in different areas of our lives. Maybe it's a work relationship. Maybe it's a friend relationship. Maybe it's a children-parent relationship. Perhaps it's a husband-wife relationship. God, I pray that this week that we will take some action steps. Maybe we need to, as a couple, as a family, or in that relationship at work, 
Maybe you need to recognize that there is a problem. The elephant in the room. And to deal with it. And to come to you and ask you for guidance, for help and wisdom. Perhaps we need to, that meeting that needs to happen, the face-to-face conversation. God, I pray that we help us to fight fair, but help us to fight in a way that honors you for peace and resolution to the conflict. Maybe, God, there's some of us, we just need to change our focus. We're so self-centered, and it's never our fault. God, maybe we need to change our focus to unselfishness. And I realize that we could be a, that we might be and that we are part of the problem. That it's not just a your problem, it's a our problem. And God, maybe there's some of us here, we're on the you're, you're in round number 12 in this fight, in the conflict with the marriage, in this relationship. And I feel like throwing in the towel and giving up. And God, I pray that we stick with it because our marriage is worth fighting for because we have an evil one that wants to destroy us from within. So God, I pray that you help us to do what you want us to do this week. Our Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. And then God, I pray that we will leave here with some action steps, that we do something about it. So God, we thank you.